You know, ever since I've done this, it's always been very busy. You create, you edit, you do what you gotta do. And then there's Spotify for podcasters. Produces our show and more. All the same tools you know and love are all right here on this app with a new and improved look. Roll your podcast and distribute it everywhere for absolutely free. No matter where, no matter where you go, and correct directly with your fans using Q and A and polls. That's what makes Spotify on the world talk. Where the world listens, Spotify for podcasters. Check out, download the app, or show on to Spotify podcasters on Spotify.com to get started on your podcasting journey today. I'm not being. I'm not saying I'm a hero. I'm just telling you like it is. Spotify for podcasters really works for me. This episode is dedicated to those who were killed in today's school shooting at the Covenant School in Nashville, Tennessee. Despite my despite my diff- views and different varying despite my views I'm just going to leave it at that. Thank you for thank you for listening to the Home Turf Sports Podcast right here on the Home Turf Radio Network. Broadcasting from the Long Island Touch Studios right here in the heart of Long Island. This is the Home Turf Sports Podcast. Well, Matthew Wally, welcome to um, welcome to March twenty seventh, twenty twenty three. We're gonna break down on um, the college college basketball later in the program. Um, but I will say this: this football season is the actually we're still in the middle of a, a free agency. We're getting near the draft. We're near the draft, but. You can't help but think these storylines are starting to develop. One of them's one of them for the Jets. One of them's for the Jets. Of course, CBS Sports writes that almost two weeks ago, two weeks after Aaron Rodgers revealed publicly that he intends to play for the New York Jets in 2023, the long Packers quarterback remains in Green Bay, just for right now. But there's reason to believe an inevitable trade could finally be on the horizon. Absolutely. That's it's like Of course, NFL personnel are gathering for annual league meetings this week. Oh, yeah, they, you know. As Sports Illustrated notes, it that means some of the top decision makers from both the Jets and Packers are set to occupy the same walls of Phoenix, Arizona, Biltmore, more resort in the coming days. That includes Jets owner Woody Johnson, who reportedly flew to California to meet with Rodgers after receiving permission from the Packers, General Manager Joe Douglas and Coach Robert Sala, who recently celebrated the quarterback's desire to play for New York. It also includes Packers President Mark Murphy, GM Brian Gutkins, Gutkins and Coach Matt LaFleur. It's possible, of course, that the two teams won't finalize potential trade terms during owners' meetings. In Sports Illustrated's Albert Breer argued Monday that the Packers may need to think beyond the 13th pick of the draft, currently owned by the Jets. 
in order to further trade talks, implying that Green Bay has been focused on acquiring New York's first-round pick as part of a Rodgers deal. With only a month until the 2023 NFL Draft, however, the Jets and Packers could be motivated to push the inevitable swap to completion so they can move forward with roster construction for this year. Technically, Rodgers' current contract dictates that Green Bay can't save money by dealing the quarterback until after June 1st. The Packers won't be on the hook for Rodgers' fully guaranteed $58 million option bonus for 2023 until September 1st. But if 2023 draft picks are the Packers' target for compensation, then it stands to reason they'll look to move the former MVP before late April. And a lot of fans are looking to get Aaron Rodgers into that Jets fold. Man, and of course, that's saying a lot. But we'll see it. But when there's a will, there's a way. And Rich Samini of ESPN writes that New York Jets coach Robert Sala remains confident that Aaron Rodgers will be his quarterback for the 2023 season. And he'd love to see Odell Beckham Jr. catching some of Rodgers' passes. Addressing reporters Monday at the NFL's annual meet league meeting, Salah confirmed the team's interest in a free agent wide receiver. As for Rodgers, Salah said the Jets are in no rush to finalize a trade with the Green Bay Packers, saying they could conceivably wait until training camp in late July. He said, I'm not hitting the panic button, he said. But that's Bob, that's Bob Sella in a nutshell. He said, I'm confident that things are going to work out. You guys know me. I'm a very positive person and optimistic, so I'm confident that things will go the way we're hoping. But at the same time, it's not going to eat at me. Yeah, I guess it's humble and honest. I guess it's been, like, you guys are very humble and honest. It's been 13 days, like two weeks, close to two weeks, since he was, since... Rogers was Rogers speaking on the uh, Batman McAfee show gave a public commitment to the Jets. Since then, the two teams haven't been able to negotiate trade composition. Of course, the Jet Packers reportedly are seeking a package that includes the Jets' first round pick, which is 13th overall, and the Jets don't want to part with it. And because, because of the tampering rules, Salah didn't mention Rogers by name and avoided direct questions about the team's interest in him. But he left no doubt that he's counting on the four-time MVP to be the Jets' starting quarterback with the 2021 number two pick, Zach Wilson slated to be the number two. There is no obvious fallback option. If, if for some reason, the Rodgers trade falls through, Salah declined to discuss that scenario. Of course, I, ideally, they would like Rodgers to participate in the off-season program, which begins April 17th and runs through mid-June but Salah indicated that's not a must. Clearly, the Jets don't want to seem antsy as they try to bolster their leverage in talks with the Packers. That might explain why Salah didn't shut the door on the possibility of waiting until training camp for Rodgers' arrival. I guess he's. Uh, I guess that's the base of it. He said, and of course, Bob Salah said, if there's a great report with the coordinator, there's really no interest in The quarterback, if he understands the system, if the quarterback knows it, it's just a matter of just for finding skills and doing all that stuff. So there's no hurry. I guess he's been, I guess he's just saying that. 
Of course, no doubt. Salah was alluding to Rodgers' strong relationship with offensive coordinator Nathaniel Hackett. Of course, when Rodgers declared his intention to play for the Jets, he cited Hackett as one of the main reasons. In theory, the Mac Packers might want to complete the trade before the draft so they can recoup 2023 compensation. If it doesn't happen by then, they could wait until after June 1st because there's, there would be a significant salary cap benefit. Meanwhile, the Jets seemed determined to make Rodgers happy by adding players he suggested. The Jets, who already signed for a Packers wide receiver, Alan Lazard, hopes to land Beckham, another name on Rodgers' so-called wish list. A source said the Jets have been in talks with the 30-year-old receiver who is coming off his second ACL injury. Of course, Salah being Salah said, He's been a fantastic receiver in this league. Everything you hear about him, he's phenomenal. He's a phenomenal person. There's something you're always going to look over. Turn over every stone, cross your T's, dot your I's. Just make sure you're you're not missing an opportunity to add a great player. And there's no guarantee anything will happen. Well, there has been a lot of movement at wide receiver. The Jets cut Braxton Berrios, traded Elijah Moore, signed Lazard, and Nicole Orman, formerly the Kansas City Chiefs, Salah said the additions of Artman allowed him to trade more to the Browns, to the Cleveland Browns. Of course, Salah said that they weren't shopping more, but that they received a lot of different phone calls once they landed Artman. He said that trade was a no-brainer for general manager Joe Douglas, who drafted more in the 2021 second round. In other personnel developments, Salah committed to Wilson as the QB2 despite his profound struggles last season. He also doubts speculation that about Carl Lawson's roster spot, saying he wants a defensive end on the roster despite a $15.7 million cap charge. That's the Jets right there. But as for the Giants, I'll be blunt. Still on foot for a long-term deal for Saquon Barkley, Dan Graziano, of ESPN by three weeks after they designated him as a franchise player. Um, the New York Giants have continued negotiating with quarterback Saquon Barkley on a potential long-term contract. Barkley is scheduled to play the 2023 season on a one-year franchise tag of $10.091 million, but under the rules of the collecting bargaining agreement, the Giants will have until July 15th to sign Barkley to a long-term deal before the start of the season. Giants team owner John Mara made it clear on Monday that he hopes to do just that. He said, I told Saquon we want him to be a giant for his entire career. This is He is, provides leadership. He's a great player. And we'd like to be able to get something done with him at some point. The running back market is what it is right now. But I'm still hopeful at some point we can, we'll come to an agreement. He's saying it, he said during a break at the NFL owners meetings. Of course, Mara's ref is to a, is to a soft running back market with more supply than demand, which has depressed prices around the league for players at that position. There are seven running backs in the NFL whose annual average annual salaries are higher than the ten point zero nine million dollar franchise tag. But the fact that the Vegas Raiders is Josh Tag, Josh Jacobs, and the Dallas Cowboys Tony Pollard also got the franchise tag. Instead of a long-term deal, it says a lot about the market for their position. And of course, Joe Shaw, general manager Joe Shaw, said, "Where we where we are with him on the franchise tag, we're fine with that. 
I mean, where does that rank him among the best among the running backs in the league? Of course, Schoen said he's in constant contact with Barkley Station, but that any offer, but but that any offer that was on the table prior to the Giants tagging him is no longer is as the team has pivoted to other business. Of course, Sean said, there's, there's no outstanding offer right now. Once we put the franchise tag on him, we stepped back. We knew throughout the negotiation that there, there was going to be a time where if we couldn't come to an agreement, where we, we were going to get to go to the franchise tag, and that's where we did, and that's what we did. Of course, still, the organization's hope is that Bartley doesn't have to decide whether he's willing to attend camp on the franchise tag because they can get a deal done with him prior to that. Maris said on his last said his last conversation with Bartley was about ten days ago. He said we had a very good conversation. I told him how much I wanted him to be a giant and to play with his whole career as a giant like Eli Manning did, like Michael Strahan did, like Tiki Barber did. And look what they're doing off the field now. And I think he would like that as well. Mara also was asked about the possibility of signing free agent wide receiver Odell Beckham Jr., who was the Giants' first round draft pick in twenty fourteen and played the first five years of his career for them long before being traded to the Cleveland Browns. Thank you, Dave Gettleman. Mara said he would be in favor of a reunion. He said, we certainly haven't closed that door. That's going to be up for Joe and head coach Brian Dable. I would, I would be, I certainly would be in favor of that if they make it, can make it happen. And he, in the course, showing would add, we'll continue, not just Odell, but players that are available across all positions. We'll continue to look at that. You can create the, with the cap you need, need to in certain situations. If there's a player out there that we think will help us, we will, we'll always look into those. That, uh, that tells you right then and there. And the biggest news of the story that came out today, um, Lamar Jackson unleashed his surprise in his ongoing contract saga with the Baltimore Ravens on Monday, announcing that he had requested a trade from the team just as Coach John Harbaugh sat down to speak with two reporters at the NFL Annual League meetings. Of course, Jackson, who represents himself, tweeted that he requested the trade on March 2nd as the team has not been interested in meeting my value in contract talks. Of course, he said, I love the game of football, and my dream is, to, dream is to help a team win the Super Bowl. He tweeted, adding that the Ravens fans are great, but I had to make a business decision that was best for my family and I. No matter how far I go or where my career takes me, I'll continue to be close to my fans of Baltimore Flot Nation and the entire state of Maryland. You'll see me again. Of course, Arbaugh was, Arbaugh was asked immediately about Jackson's tweet as he was sitting down at the AFC coaches breakfast. And he said, I haven't seen the tweet. It's an ongoing process. I'm, I'm following it very closely, just like everyone else here. I'm looking forward to a resolution. With reporters pat to the shoulder, shoulder, shoulder around his table, Harbaugh consistently remained upbeat with Jackson. He smiled and cracked the occasional joke while answering 32 questions during his 27-minute media session. Of course, Harbaugh said he is still running the offense around, building the offense around Jackson, and doesn't see a damaged relationship with the 2019 NFL MVP. Where Harbaugh acknowledged that there is uncertainty surrounding Jackson's situation, he said, "I don't know what direction it's going to go. It's going to go. I don't have a crystal ball. I can't tell the future, but I know whatever happens is going to be good. I, it's going to be okay. I have my hopes. I love Lamar Jackson." Of course, the Ravens placed a non-exclusive franchise tag on Jackson on March 7th, five days after Jackson said he made his trade request. 
which allowed him to negotiate with other teams. If Jackson signs an offer sheet, Baltimore would have five days to either match it or receive two first-round picks as compensation. If there is no offer sheet, Jackson would earn $32.416 million this season if he plays under the tag. Asked whether he was certain that Jackson would play this season under the tag, Harbaugh said, I don't know. Adding that he hadn't spoken to Jackson about that. Harbaugh said, it's been a while since he last since the last time he talked with J- Lamar. His last interaction with Jackson was through a text message about the offense and the coaching staff. But Harbaugh still believes Jackson will still be his quarterback in week one. He said, you've got to plan for all the contingencies, for sure. I'm pretty fired up about Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson is a great player. Lamar came back in great shape last year. He's fired up to play. That's the Lamar that I'm looking forward to seeing. Of course, last September, a source told ESPN's Adam Schefter and Chris Mortensen that Jackson turned down an offer from Baltimore that included $113 million guaranteed in signing, $175 million guaranteed for injury, and $200 million in total guarantees if he's on the roster for the fifth day of the 2026 league year. How are you? How is he? How did he pass on that? The two hundred million would rank second among all quarterbacks to the Sean Watson, like five years, two hundred thirty million dollars guaranteed, and with the past deals signed by Kyler Murray with one hundred three point three million dollars guaranteed at signing, and Russell Wilson one hundred twenty four million dollars guaranteed at signing. That was last year. Schefter and Mortensen reported in September that Jackson wants a fully guaranteed he deal similar to Watson. Jackson hasn't talked to it about his contract since week one of last season, and he hasn't spoken to a reporter since December 2nd. Of course, asked whether he thought the timing of Jackson's tweet Monday was to exert pressure. Arbaugh said, I'm, I really don't know. It's part of the business of football. That's true. And Jackson's playmaking ability has made the Ravens one of the most successful teams over the past five seasons. His record of 45-16 is the fourth best of any quarterback who debuted in the Super Bowl era, trailing only Patrick Mahomes, Tom Brady, and Roger Staubach. Jackson was named the NFL MVP after the 2019 season. The Ravens have struggled without Jackson for the past two seasons, going 3-9 and nine in his absence. But Jackson's passing and durability have come under scrutiny. Over the past two seasons, Jackson has totaled 33 touchdown passes and 20 interceptions and has missed 11 games including a playoff loss to the Cincinnati Bengals last season. The Ravens hired Todd Monkett as the new offensive coordinator this offseason. And Harbaugh repeatedly said they are building a new offense around Jackson. He said, that's the guy I want to see a quarterback. That's my guy. We made a, we made a, decision, made a decision to go with Lamar Jackson five years ago. Why? Because we love him. We love the way he plays. We love his mindset, his charisma, his style. Everything, we, everything about him, we love him. Jackson's tweet is another unexpected twist in his negotiations with the Ravens, which have spanned 25 months. Man, 25 months, that that long? Of course, last week, the NFL warned teams in a memo that they are permitted to negotiate only with Jackson because he does not have an NFLPA certified agent. The NFL can find teams $47,000 if a club negotiates a contract with an agent or representative not verified with the NFLPA. Asked when he would want Jackson's situation resolved. 
Arbaugh joked yesterday before adding, I appreciate that it's being handled with class. The more analytic, handle it with class. And Harbaugh insisted all of the drama is the business of sports. He said, it's going to work itself out. If we're playing football next year, and Lamar Jackson is our quarterback, we're all going to be happy. He's going to be fired up to play. He's going to be happy to be out there playing too. It's a fluid kind of thing. They're so irritating of this. Well, that's a shock to me. I think it's on. I think it's more legit. Of course, Jackson's trade request was the talk of the league meeting on Monday. Indianapolis Colts general manager Chris Ballard said his team would consider Jackson, whom he called a special player. Man, he would probably probably make that probably make that happen. Of course, however. Washington Commanders GM Martin Mayhew said his team is moving forward with Sam Howell and Jacoby Brissett. Like, this is what he said in a, in a, pre, in a press meeting. I'm sorry, that um, is pretty much a low tone, but here it is, and um, I'm going to put it up there for you guys to hear real clear. Alright, here it is in its entirety. Give me one sec. Observe, observe the view, observe the view, listening globe. And, um, you know, we probably end up making serious contract offices, having serious discussions with somewhere between 10 and 20 other guys each year. So there are a ton of talented players that um, that could help us, but we don't end up talking to for various reasons. And Lamar falls into that category. Why, why, why does Lamar fall into that category, knowing the caliber of players he is? Yeah. Well, there are, there are a ton of quality players. I mean, Javon Harbour was an excellent you know, so there, there are a number of reasons why we don't know any specifics about him. I don't want to sound critical of anyone. Um, he's, a, he's a very talented guy. Translation, he's going to go towards Sam Howell and Jacoby Brissett. How being, how being a number, how being number one, how being his number one starter. I mean... The Jets are going to, Joe Douglas saying his focus is acquiring Aaron Rodgers. And he wouldn't pivot to Jackson to put pressure on a backer saying if it would, it would be disingenuous and negotiating a bad faith if he went down that path. Can't blame Joe Douglas here. Can't blame him for it. Bob Kraft saying, well, said, uh, rapper Mink Mill, a good friend of Patriots owner, texted him recently to say that Jackson wanted to play for New England. Graf said he responded that that will be a decision that belongs to Coach Bill Belichick. And no rush on, no rush on, no, I mean, that's saying a lot with, that's saying a lot. All Ravens, Ravens is best option, but Joe don't want, Joe just want, Joe wants his guy. A guy that extent Aaron Rodgers, those on that south, he knows he knows Nate Hackett, and yeah, pretty much says it all.
I mean, that's, I mean, I can't say much about the chat. I can't say much about the chat. We're all locked up. We probably don't need it. Of course, he said, of course, he did say, first of all, Lamar Jackson is a fantastic player, but where we stand is, it would be disingenuous in negotiating a bad faith if we went down that path. We have our plan, we have our process, and we're sticking to that. We're never going to operate on bad faith. Of course, getting Rodgers can really bring some sacrifices. And I'm not pretty much there. But let's be clear. This offseason is really, really exhausting. And I can't even imagine the, pr the pressure on these guys to be that friggin' good at something. The draft is coming up. And everything, and everything is really, really getting nervous. It tells you right then and there. If you didn't want to negotiate in bad faith, don't. If you wanted Aaron Rodgers, then you should have got enough. What more do you want? What more do you freaking? What more do you freaking want us to believe in? If you want, if you wanted another Brett Favre. You might, you might as well get him. That's all I can say, man. That's it. Either way, this offseason has plenty of storylines. Everything is topsy-turvy going forward. That's where we're going to leave it at that. We'll be back after this. I know your shirts are bland, your hats are bland, your businesses are bland, bland, so why not give it a facelift with L.I. Tops? L.I. Tops is, the Long, is Long Island's home for custom shirts, custom hats, and of course, putting up, putting up vinyl banners for you and all your stuff for, for your businesses and whatever have you. Long Island Tots is home to some of the with some of the best guys in the business to work to get this get to make sure your product stands out from the best. Don't forget to visit them. Don't forget to give them a chance to out. L I Tops. If it ain't us, it ain't lit. That's L I T O P E Ops. Let me be frank, folks. I'm not anti-LGBTQ, never had, never will, but I'm very legit, but I'm very legitimate when, when it comes to women's sport, when it comes to sport, women's sports, and how, and how transgender, transgender athletes kind of invaded into that. Of course, I can, I can, I, I digress, I've never done it. Never had, never will. But it draw it's kinda like the um drive that pisses kinda pisses me off kinda pisses me off at some point. And everybody's bit and everybody's fucking bitter. But at the end of the day, my honesty is one hundred percent legitimate. That's 
that's as far as it goes. I mean, however, this has a lot to do with um, Leah Thomas, formerly at University of Pennsylvania, a part of the swim team, and of course the transgender the transgender athlete got hailed as a hero and what have you. And it, and so, and not a lot of people are happy with it, except especially this one. Normally, I do not uh, resource outkick on this one. I despise, I despise that, I despise them as much as I, because it's been won by, by whack job Clay Travis. But I got the, um, I got this right here from the College Fix. And there's better source than this. It says, see, right, your former University of Kentucky swimmer, Riley Gaines, criticized, criticized by ESPN for honoring William Leah Thomas on Sunday with a short clip about the male swimmer's domination of female swimming competition. Once again, it pisses me off. Once again, it pisses me off, but... Of course... Gaines went on to say, you know, in a short tweet here, observe, observe, and of course, this is it. Leah Thomas is not a brave, courageous woman who earned a national title. Oof. The, he is arrogant. She is an arrogant cheat who stole a national title from a hardworking, deserving woman. The NCAA is responsible. If I was a woman working at ESPN, I would walk out. Your spineless ESPN. She also used hashtag boycott ESPN. Wow. Whether I is whether I agree with how it was handled or how this was how this was become more and more insane. I mean, let's face it. And 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 to be on and to be honest, folks, I am not. I am not. Anti LGBTQ LGBTQ at all. Everyone's expecting me to say. Everyone thinks I'm about to say. Will or will say something. Have something like this. But in all essence, there should be a separation between real, real authentic women. And transgender women. That is what. That's where. That's where I. That's where I stand. I don't. Uh, that's where I stand. You all know. You all know me. And I'll be blunt. I don't have to agree with people. That Leah Thomas should be hailed as a hero. She's not. It's just, it's just a. That's the lowest you can go. But I do agree. That there should be fairness in women's sports. I'm legitimately honest about that. Because whether you like Riley Riley Gaines or you don't, she made some valid points. Of course, Outkick's David Ookstead tweeted a clip of ES of the ESPN segment along with its own comments. And oh and I'll, yeah, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna be blunt with this guy. I'm not gonna be blunt. And of course he's an and of course people say he's a Clay Travis guy. It's an ESPN celebrated Women's History 
History Month by promoting a special about a transgender swimmer, Leah Thomas, a biological male who destroyed real women in the pool. <laughs> he also add, how can any woman work at ESPN after this? The network is just openly mocking them at this point. This is, I'm, and, I'm, and I'm embarrassed. I'm embarrassed, I'm embarrassed as a human being to take that this is okay. And yeah, it's not. Gaines has been a regular critic of Thomas, going back to when the Penn swimmer tied with her for fifth place in one meet. And Gaines alleged that the NCAA officials ordered Thomas to hold the trophy for photos, even though the pair tied. I'm embarrassed, I'm embarrassed, yeah. Of course, Gaines recently told the College Fix that many university leaders agree with her in private but will not publicly condemn the dominance of transgender athletes in female sports. She said this, I, th I think the most important thing colleges can specifically do to protect women's sports is to stand firm in how they genuinely feel. Of course, she said, I was present at the NCAA convention where I got a booth similar to the setup of this convention. Where the athletic directors will walk around, the, all the presidents of the universities, chancellors, and I had a chance to talk to all of them. And of course, what they told her might sound surprising given their public stances. And she said, I, they, all, they all said to me, keep doing what you're doing. We support you. We just can't do it publicly. She said she organized a petition to the NCAA in January that urged opposition to male competition against females. I I agree I, I agree with that. I person unlike everybody, I agree with that wholeheartedly. I'm not a I am not a I am not one to do something stupid, but same time. The NCAA is just erasing young women and their accomplishments. And man, and this is where and this is worse. I feel like I want to throw I I won't want to throw I don't want to throw it. See, I'm not going to I'm not going to lie. And of course the of course the independent women's forum said to the women who've been pushed aside during Women's History Month to affirm biological males, we see you. To the female athletes who are being sidelined by biological males, we see you. No female deserves to be replaced by a male identifying as a woman like Riley Gaines was. And I and I have and I agree with that. I I personally agree with that. It's not right. It's not. It's not right for women to. Do to um, right for, for guys to just change their gender, to become a man, to become a man, woman, and start winning at women's competitions. This is kind of like, but that's kind of like pathetic. You won't see me do it. You won't see me do that. You won't see me pull that shit off. And I will. And I will not be. And I will not be. And I will not. Um. Be involved in anything like that. If it's, I spoke about this, 
I don't agree. I don't agree with anybody as much as I as much. But I do agree. But I do say this. I will always be up and honest about certain causes that affects athletes in this business, athletes in the sport. We want, I want equality. But it has to be a different form. If you want it, if the NCAA cares so much about transgender athletes, why not create a separate division for it? You get the males and females, and you get the trans, and you get the trans, trans. Like transgender men and women, all vi all vying for all vying for, for a trophy. Maybe that maybe help level the playing field. But you have to but you have to admit that Wiley Gaines is and it made some made some valid points. This isn't this is shit. It's not this shit's not okay. I'm up front and I'm up front with that. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna sit there. I'm not gonna stand there and lie to everybody. But at the same time, my honesty and integrity doesn't, she doesn't, does not change. Riley Gaines is like a 12-time All-American swimmer. Leah Thomas is a cheater. She represented Kentucky. She represented K Kentucky. And she was like, wow. I'm not going to sit there. Of course, that saying, Thomas was interviewed in that seminar, Thomas's transition from male to female, winning the, winning the NCAA title, so stolen anyway. And criticism was brought up. She said it, Thomas said, people will say, oh, she just transitioned so she would have an advantage so she could win. I transitioned to be happy. Of course, that's that's a con. That's a counter. Fairness in competition with transgendered women competing against bio, biologically born females spawned after Thomas became the first transgendered woman to win the Ivy League championship and the NCAA championship in swimming. I'm not gonna front. Not gonna front. Not gonna front. Not in the front, my mouth, my mouth is spare. My mouth spares myself. And of course, she went out there and she said the, she called the NCAA Women's of the Award worthless after Leah Thomas not as a nominee. She was lit, and I will be blunt, I will be blunt, I'm not, I'm not one of it. She said, I guess, she said, this award combines athletic performance with academic service and character. What character has Thomas shown other than sheer selfishness and entitlement? The disrespect and disregard for the other female athletes in Thomas's interviews is eye-opening. I'm not gonna lie, I'm not gonna lie. I'm not gonna be blunt, I'm not gonna say it, but again, valid, again, valid points. I'm not going. I'm not going. Uh, I'm not going to go up against them because I don't care. And ladies and gentlemen, to be blunt and still be frank, I have done. I have done. I've done sports talk for like two, like two years, starting in 2021. 
And again, I've never seen anything like this. I've never seen anything like this. I will be blunt. And if this was, if this is a, hey, oh, jeez. Somebody call 911. They're going to yell, they're going to get, I'm going to get yelled, I'm going to get yelled at. I'm going to get screamed at. I'm going to get crucified. I'm gonna crucify by everybody if I wasn't if I was anti LBTQ. I'm 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 legitimately honest. That's my but I'm for women's sports and keep it and transgender and transgender athletes could participate in a like somewhat of their own division other than men and women men's and women. But this is ridiculous. I feel upset and I feel upset. I want to puke. I'm not gonna lie, I'm not gonna lie, I'm not gonna lie. I'm not a pun if I was a punching bag, bam. If I was a punching bag, bam. I'm an honest person. First and foremost. And this and this tweet from from Sharon Davis, former Olympic Olympic medalist. Olympic medalist said trans athletes don't get to pick which category they want to go for. Go it. We all get to compete in a category we can't qualify for. They just want. I'm like trying to be making a point, but also being able to make the point in a compassionate way. I'm just gonna say that way. I bet, and like I said. Transgender athletes should have their own split bot, not just with women or with men. Case in point. Go at me, do it. Be back. I know, I get it. You're looking for the best shirts in town, something that associates with the area, or something like that? Let Mac of Amityville help you out. Of course, Mac is the home of the of Mac T-shirts, Long Island Toss T-shirts, Island Tribe T-shirts, and plenty of cool stuff, merchandise you can find. It's the best butt shop you ever find here, shop in Amityville. Well, check them out down on down on Route 110 and 10 at the, next to the next to the Amityville Amityville train station. That's in the that's minutes from the Amityville train station. I mean, and don't forget to check them out and check them out today. Long Island, you got Rucker, Harlem has Rucker, Lincoln, Queens got Lincoln, but Long, but Long Island has the Mac. Well, folks, March Madness comes to a complete end later in later this week. This weekend. I e the final four is on Saturday. The national championship is on Monday night, and man, we got some real good, feel good stories here. Of course, there's a lot of st- UConn is in there, Miami is in there. They are very good, te- very good team, very good schools. Looking for that big, looking for that. Opportune time to be sorry, and now you got these two underdogs, San Diego State and FAU. Very good, very good, very talent. UConn, 
looking for that. Na I'm not gonna say UConn win national title, but I'm not gonna say this. Of course, CBSSports.com report writes that though its first two, though the first two weekends of the 2023 NCAA tournament were riddled with upsets, you would have done well to listen, done to listen to our expert picks, and of course, Ryan and writer Kyle Boone. Uh, dominated straight-up picks during March Madness, accurately predicting 47 of the 64 games leading up to the Final Four, which led the expert pool. And meanwhile, everyone else on the staff, at least 39 correct picks with a hit rate, well north of 60%. When here's a second chance to, for fans to redeem themselves with the Final Four set, San Diego State versus FAU on one side of the bracket, Miami and Yukon versus Yukon on the other. We've sent we've sent that for this team for, for everybody for the writers for the picks for picks leading to the final weekend. They've reset the bracket and made predictions for both the final four games plus the national championship. Well, to no one's surprise, um, Yukon, the betting favorite to open the week, was the overwhelming favorite by our experts to be. Finish off its week in Houston with a championship. There are plenty of alleged picks, as you will hear in this one, with writer David Cobb hooting his way to the arts of Owls fans, and several of them are thinking the Aztecs face off against the Huskies with a title on line. And it turns out, yeah, UConn, UConn is UConn is heavily favored. Let's hear what Gary Parrish has to say. He is right, works for CBS Sports. He said, "Any Final Four with zero top three seeds is surprising by definition. Nobody could have recently predicted this, but it is worth noting that one of the schools heading to Houston, UConn, is now ranked number one at CanPalm.com, while the other three are conference champions. At the very least, these teams have all been good this season." Relative to their leagues, and we were all, and we're always capable of deep runs through the bracket. As for Saturday, I'm taking FAU over SC, SC San Diego State and UConn over Miami in the championship game. I have UConn beating Florida Atlantic to win what would be a fifth national championship in a 25-year span, giving the Huskies two more titles in that time frame than any other school. Dan Hurley predicted and promised years ago that he'd get UConn back to the tip top of the sport. Now he's just two more wins away from delivering, and the smart money has him doing it. That saying right there. Matt Norlander, CBS Sports writer, said, I've watched, I just watched FAU steal itself after trailing in the second half against Tennessee. Then it followed that up with its best shooting performance of the tournament against Kansas State. The Owls are deep. And they, they've got a special thing going here. San Diego State is a bowl of molasses to play against. But the good thing about FAU is that if, they, if it can win games in the 50s, 60s, 70s, and 80s, it's the most malleable team of the four. Owls will play on Monday night when they'll, fa when they'll face and lose to the, to the number one team in the sport, according to Ken Baum. Ken Baum. The Huskies have dropped all four of their opponents with a combined 
90 points, embarrassing would-be Final Four contenders Arkansas and Gonzaga in the process. This is a Final Four that any team can win, but honestly, but I am taking the team with the Isla Stealing, most talent and best player, like Adama Sanogo. The Huskies win their fifth national champ, national title and do so with a third coach, Jim, Jim Calhoun, Kevin Ollie, and Dan Hurley. Final Four most, most outstanding player, Jordan Hawkins. And then there's Kyle Boone, 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 Boone Mr. Boone, quotes, My picks are a bit chalky. I'll admit, but at this point in the NCAA tournament, it certainly feels like we have a pretty good post on teams still standing. Based on what we've seen thus far, it's hard to pick any outcome other than UConn winning it all. FAU, Miami, and San Diego State are all worthy challengers, but the Huskies are on a run so dominant that it'd be foolish to try to talk myself into any other team. San Diego State and FAU will provide resistance in a potential championship game match with the way they play defense and their contrasting styles. But the inside-out length and athleticism UConn has made it, made it a worthy betting favorite. And I won't be the one betting against them. And of course, writer David Copwright says this, UConn is the most complete team left standing. The Huskies have a dominant interior presence in Adama Sanalgo, a 7'2 rim protector in Donovan Klingon, and a deep group of perimeter shooters led by Jordan Hawkins. The only reason this team is a number four seed is because of the struggles it endured early in the, during Big East play. Since the Valley... The Huskies have clearly been among the nation's elite teams. After four victories of at least 15 points during the first two weeks of the NCAA tournament, they are the clear favorite to win it all. Couldn't agree more. Of course, Chip, pa- Chip Patterson writes, UConn might be a fourth seed in the bracket, seed at number 13 overall by the selection committee, but multiple power rankings, ratings, and predictive metrics have considered the Huskies to be a top six team since January. Compared to the rest of this mid-bracket Final Four field, the Huskies are on a different tier, and their dominance against opponents in this tournament indicates something close to peak performance. Dan Hurley's team is better, on average, than the other teams in the Final Four, and UConn's current form is better than average. Anything other than the, another Huskies title would be a surprise. Ursley couldn't agree more. And, of course, Jerry, Jerry, da, Jerry Palm, CBS Sports writer, also writes, I like San Diego State in its semifinal against FAU because of its defense. The Aztecs are better than any other team at making offenses uncomfortable. Their own offense also seems perpetually uncomfortable, but they have been winning, winning with it all year. However, I'm picking UConn to win the whole thing. The Huskies have been the best team to, in this tournament, and it's not even close. They look like they look like look. They look a lot like the team that almost made it to the top of the polls in December. The bigs are a low to handle. Miami's offense will be a challenge, sure, but UConn can score can score with them. And of course, Dennis Dodd also writes. I've seen enough of San Diego State to know the Aztecs or the Vampires of the Final Four. They bleed you slowly, and they are. Com- Completely happy with the halftime score in the 20s. In back-to-back games, they have worn out Alabama and Creighton. Like Barry Switzer wore down Nebraska with the wishbone in the fourth quarter. That being said, 
FAU might be the most complete team left in the tournament. It has the jumpers, shooters, and the big Russian, Aladislav Golden in the middle. Goldine in the middle. I'd love to see that combo against UConn in the championship game. But alas, UConn is going to win the whole thing no matter who it plays. Of course, semifinal, of course, semifinal opponent Miami sneaky good. Yeah, I said it. The ACC champion can surprise. Jim Laranaga is the first coach I've seen who walks the sidelines with his hands in his pocket and hardly ever yelling. But he can scheme with the best of them. The Canes had several one-outs against top-seeded Houston. Then it changed tactics with and post players outscoring Texas 35-16 in the final 12 minutes to reach the Final Four. UConn will go into the Final Four as the heavy favorite after beating its four opponents by a combined 90 points and it has the best tournament pedigree of any team left. It has four national championships tied with Kansas for six all-time. Coach Dan Hurley is part of basketball royalty. His dad is a Hall of Fame high school coach. Brother Bobby Hurley is the Arizona State coach who won two national championships as a player as a player at Duke. It is a physically intimidating team on defense and ranks in the top ten in offensive rebound percentage. The team revolves around Sonogo and his seven foot two wingspan and shooting guard Shorten Hawkins. That would be too much for everyone else. That being said, this is like, wow, you're getting a final, this final four team is starting to really, really, really race. And yeah, I'm surprised that Dusty May wanted to quit after signing that cop. Now, according to that, CBS Sports might also might said, yeah, the scenes across the floor of MSG Madison Square Fort Garden are exuberant, scattered, surreal, and for this Florida Athletic University men's basketball program, yes, everyone, everyone's free to admit that this is a damn stunt. Though they have claimed to believe that this moment will come, its arrival, as many in FAU are staggering about it in disbelief. Wardrobe changes seem to be to stoke a shock as reality sets in. Now they are wearing their Final Four ass and shirts Blending into a euphoric tableau, two FAU players, John L. Davis and Mike Forrest, find themselves stumbling for explanations halfway through interviews. Twenty feet off, seven foot one center of attention, Vlad Golden is crying at one corner of the court. Friends and family have made their way onto the hardwood. The Uggs are huge. The smiles are even bigger. Their eyes as wide as this night will be as long for those impossible owls who have done the borderline unthinkable. In East Region, that boasted high seed of Purdue, number two Marquette, number three Kansas State, and fourth seed of Tennessee, in addition to three powerhouse programs like Duke, Kentucky, Michigan State, will not be represented at the Final Four by any of those big names most of which carry national championship pedigrees and all AL from power conferences. It's FAU. The th- only the third number nine seed to ever pull off the feet, clinching it with a 79-76 regional final win over Kansas State. And of course, the man responsible for this, this is easily not lost among the throng. FAU coach Dusty May stands 5'10 in shoes, and gets hidden behind at the ever-moving bodies as dozens of interconnected bursts of celebration play over 
play out over the better part of 30 minutes following the landmark victory. There's May on the days with his team, Hat Cop Cooking, being interviewed by Ali LaForce. There he goes to hug his wife, Anna, and their three children. He's soon climbing up the ladder to snip the net. He's next. He's giving a a elongated elongated interview to Ken Lavica, FEU's one-man radio broadcast team who has called Al's game solo for 17 years. Vintage March moments. I guess he said his his wife Anna said very I'm very emotional. I'm just so happy for the guys. I mean, we love them. My husband loves them like he's like his own. And they've worked so hard for this. And I think that's what's been so amazing about this group. Is that they're all about each other. Just how hard they've worked. And what they've put into it. It's unbelievable. After all this. After almost five years to the day. After our husband thought he made the biggest mistake of his life. Of course. Dusty May opened the door. Looked at Anna and broke down into tears. It's March 2018. May had signed FAU's contract that made him a first full-time a full-time head coach just a few hours earlier. And there he was, falling in a hotel room, trying to figure out a way to back out of the deal. And he, and he said, I just walked in the room and started crying. I just can't, I just committed career suicide. I'm not good enough. I can't do this. May admits to having an impulsive personality. He wanted the job, then he didn't want the job. He signed a contract before ever seeing FAU's basketball facilities. Once he did, panic set in. The meeting with athletic director Brian White, who at that point wasn't even a week into his new, new job at AU, was so good that May agreed to be the Owls coach just hours after arriving in Boca Raton, Florida. He said, when I feel something in my stomach, I go with it. May had no agent, so almost purely on vibes and the temperature in the air, he put pen to paper. He said, I, at that point, I still haven't been to our gym, our weight room, our locker room. When he saw the gym, the weight room, the locker room, May was cloaked in remorse. He tried not to show it on his face. And of course, White said, we didn't trick him into anything. Trick him or anything. I mean, I'd be lying if I told you that we'd show him the arena before he signed his contract. That came after. Of course, Brian White comes from a major college sports family. His father... Kevin, a former AD, was a high-profile figure for decades, and his connection to May was the catalyst for both May being his top target and for May even taking the interview in the first place. Ryan's brother, Mike, was May's boss when they coached together at Louisiana Tech in Florida. Ryan, Mike, and Dusty all worked together at Louisiana Tech, which, for Brian, made May the practical pick as soon as he became FAU's AD. He said, when I get to the gym, there's a pickup game going on. The facility is worn up the bar, and I already and I already accept, accepted the job. Well, the locker, well, the locker room had these old, ugly wooden lockers. It was exceptionally tiny. There was more square footage for the six showers than the actual space for people in the locker room. The arena sat two thousand five hundred, had an outdated scoreboard, and looked super. Looks super 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 High school teams in the area were playing in better facilities. May was freaking out internally. He wanted to go. He wanted to go back to Florida and stay on as Mike White's top assistant. I knew we had just. I knew we had. We just had a lot to a lot of work, even to fill a competitive roster. I would have left and went back to Gainesville after signing the contract, 
if it wasn't for my relationship with Mike and his family. And Mike said, I would say Dusty's experienced buyer's remorse in a, as probably a lot of first-time head coaches do. So Brian White brought May off at his hotel. He wasn't banging his room, but a minute before the weight of his decision broke him down. I'm not a big crier, he said, but I burst into tears like a baby. His wife, Anna, his wife Anna said, said, I think a lot of it was just fatigue and being completely overwhelmed. We weren't looking to make a move. That job kind of fell in his lap. Truth is, Brian was so close with Dusty. He would have almost certainly let him out of his contract if Bush came to show. But it didn't get to that point because of two people. His wife and Mike White. May have been through this, been through this before. On the opposite end, he'd, he'd been a counselor. The one who helped Mike White through the same thing when White got the Florida job. His guts were turning then. The self-doubt was crippling. Mike said, it was great. Mike said, wrenching physical sickness. That's the real part of it. Him and I are in a foxhole together. On certain days, wishing we were sitting back and roosting together. Man, Bias remorse really sets in. I can't blame him. Wooston, Louisiana, where the two of them built a sturdy Louisiana tech program. It took multiple calls between Dusty and Mike, his best friend in the business, in order to convince him to stay on, on at FAU. But beyond that, Anna kept him accountable. She said he accepted it after speaking to our boys. That was a big deal. Our boys were in high school. We made sure that they were on board before he accepted it. Anna and Dusty have known each other since the first grade. They grew up, to get, they grew up together in Indiana's Eastern Green County, home to a single flashing light. The town is so small, it doesn't even have a name. They were high school sweethearts and will celebrate their 23rd anniversary wedding anniversary in August. She knows Dusty better than it, better than Dusty knows himself, an occupational therapist. Anna told her husband he was built for this. It's what he wanted. And she said she told him to toughen the hell up. Point. Prove it. I said, we have that kind of relationship. You, you figure it out. You'll figure it out. It was like it was time to get to work with this decision. Of course, Bay wasn't the only one with initial immediate regrets. A couple days after May took the job, he used his connections at the University of Florida to help out fill out a staff. Then US, UF assistant Darren Darren Stickles called Akeem Miskdeen, who was wiping snow off his windshield in Kennel Isle when he, when he picked up the phone. Miskdeen googled FAU and Boca Raton and thought, oh yeah, I'd be interested in that. He was young, no kids, wanted to get out of his Midwest comfort zone. And he told CBS Sports, when I got the job and saw the facility, I, said, Am I, I, I was like, I left Kent State to come to FAU. I left the real child to go to Florida Atlantic. The first thing I thought was, why did I take this job? The facilities were so small for both basketball teams and a volleyball program that if any of the three had a game or sometimes even a practice, there was no space for the players to keep their gear because the visiting team had to use the second only other locker room. Former FAU assistant Eric Pastrana told CBS Sports, the campus is a paradise, a mile and a half of the beach. If you didn't take anyone from the gym, to the gym, it's incredible. Though the school has made some facility upgrades in the years since, and will and will now be making massive improvements thanks to this blessed Final Four run, the state of the place in 2018 was so piteous. 
the staff actually prided themselves on signing 10 players in their first year without ever allowing one recruit to see the locker room. They showed recruits to football facilities, which at that point were starting to be built under then-coach Lane Kiffin. As far as that, we'd avoid certain things and had to sell ourselves. It got so comical that a few of the first commits to FAU on the May founders this thinking is asking coach, where's the locker room? After they enrolled on campus, they never even seen it. We basically said it was under renovation. Case in point. Of course, recruiting was so tu- so touch and go. May and his staff convinced Wright transfer, since the Wright State transfer, who was the only in the area for spring break to see his girlfriend at the University of Miami, to stop by for a quick visit. They eventually signed that player, Everett, Everett Winchester, who finished his FAU career a year ago. May as a basketball junkie, if he was going to make this work, he had to. Estrada said, "Dust gets sell the beach, and all he wants in recruiting. Charlie wants it, all he wants in recruiting, but I think he's only been to the beach a few times. On a Saturday, now Saturday night, FAU not only clinched a playoff berth, it also guaranteed it will finish the season with more victories than any other Division One program. Mike White hung back for a good while." inconspicuously watching his brother and his best friend celebrate this outrageous turn of events. He said, This is one of the most special days of my life. And Brian White said it better. Brian White said it to of Dusty. Of Dusty. We see today how special he is and this program he built, he's built this. I can't believe where we are today. It's just incredible. He took the job. He took the job reluctantly. But he took it. That's what matters. And once he steadied himself, there was no second-guessing this. He's never had a losing season as won 101 of his 160 games. A ludicrous accomplishment for a program that's comparatively a newbie in college sports. It didn't exist until 1988. FEU, which did not have an NCAA tournament win to its name earlier this month, and almost no basketball history, is now a team for the ages. An incredible American sports story. On March, on March 22nd, 2018, the opening line of FAU's press release read, Dusty May has accepted the challenge of building Florida Atlantic University's men's basketball program into a team that will consistently compete on a national stage. Turns out, that was a massive understatement. Dusty May has changed the image and reputation of Florida Atlantic University's men's basketball program forever, and on Saturday night, this job brought tears to his eyes yet again. He has done a tremendous job. He's done a great deal. He had a great deal. He had a great thing going for him. And what what he what he bolt after this? I doubt it. But he's committed. But the guy's committed. Do want to win? And now he's got a chance to do that. Bottom line. We'll be right back, and like I said, if we will, I mean, can't wait for um, final, the final four to come um, on Saturday. National championship comes on Monday, next Monday. Um, feel free to check us out on uh, Twitter, on Twitter at Home Turf Radio, uh, Instagram Home Turf Radio, uh, even even Facebook at Home Turf Radio, and we and we will always do what's best for fans. Check us out, and that's what we do. We're on Google Podcasts, and we're on Spotify. And we do our shows on Spotify, and we do shows on Twitter Spaces, so be on the lookout for that. 
that tells you right then and there. That tells you right then and there that we, I always look up for that, honestly. It just shows my restraint for that. Can't blame, can't blame, can't blame him for that. I can't wait, and I can't wait to build this into a product that you can be proud of. With that being said, um, we'll be back to wrap this up in a moment. You're listening to the Home Turf Sports Podcast right here on the Home Turf Radio Network. Well, um, we'll be right back. You can listen to Home Turf Sports on your on Google Podcasts. Check us out every weekday on our check out the link in our description to check out our new home for home. Just in case you don't even have Spotify nor Anchor, the Home Turf Sports Podcast every day on Anchor, Spotify, and now Google Podcasts. Don't forget to check us out today. Up front, I appreciate everybody to listening for this episode of Home Turf Sports Radio. Um, please be on the lookout for new episodes in the future. But in the meantime, I like to say stay safe, stay healthy, be a good human being. That's all you can do. I can't really, I can't really stress that enough because that's all you need. That's all I can do. Always be, always be a good human being. That's all I can say. See you next time, everybody.